0: May 31st, 2011, it's a Watt from Pedro Show. for Pedro's show. Deja vu all over again. <laughs> so for you people uh, kind of uh, sequestered from reality of the dealio here. You missed it. Yeah, you missed it. Uh, it was sunny day in Pedro. Uh, Tuesday, uh, joining me and brother Matt is brother Twan. Hey, no. He's in town from Marina del Rey, Digs. How long have you been there? A few months now. Since
1: December. Yeah, I'm just uh, house-sitting for a Five buddy months. of mine. Yeah, he's been in China. They're making the movie, uh, the, the, the book, into a movie, uh, Life of Pi. You know the book? Right. The guy that goes out I didn't read
0: on... that one, but I read the sequel, which was called uh, Virgil Gleet and Beatrice. Beatrice. Ah. It was yeah. weird.
1: Yeah, it's a crazy movie. I mean, the, what they've been trying to do... This
0: was about to... a cat in a, a in the boat. boat. Yeah, the, animals the animals and tigers
1: yeah. and stuff yeah it's crazy I don't know how they pulled this out but they've been shooting for months and months he's coming back on the 10th and I and uh I'll probably end up back in Pedro
0: okay I know uh he had the, the guy who wrote it guy what's his name yeah I,
2: forget I can't it. think yeah, of it either, either way it Martel cool
0: Yar, something with a y Martel or mm-hmm. uh, Fucking Alzheimer's Oh, I should tell you that we started the show off with uh, John Coltrane along with uh, Duke Ellington doing Take the Coltrane. And then it being the last day of May, we played Blue Oyster Cult, something live from, uh, I think, 1975. Then came the last days of May. And that's for you, Skipper Jeff, because
2: we yeah. know about you and... Uh, you're pride of Cucamonga.
0: Yeah. And you're <laughs> hankering for the BOC. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, we were talking about uh
2: Yeah, we got Brother
0: drive. Matt's actually sailed on Pride of Cucamonga, skipper Jeff's sailboat.
2: Yeah, a couple and times. I've
0: I've done an addition of the show there on the boat, but it was tied up in the marina, so we just bobbed.
2: We've got to set sail. But
0: we gotta set sail, yeah. Maybe go under in the little cabin so the wind don't wail on us. Uh but that would be a righteous thing.
2: Very cool thing. I think he sailed over to Catalina this Memorial Day weekend, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yan Martel, that was the, the life of Pius, dude name. Yan Martel?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of there. Yeah. Close. yeah. I know it was a big, heavy thing for him because he had such a success with his book, mm-hmm. Brother Twan's talking about, Life of P. Yeah. That uh, big pressure for this follow up sequel, uh, right? Uh, or not sequel, but just round two. Uh, and uh, I think it took him 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so part of the story is kind of this dilemma. And what he wanted to write about, he said, it uh, starts off in the book, is uh, uh, Holocaust. And like no publisher, you know, this is not a happening subject. Mm-hmm. People don't want a book on this. and But he wanted to write about it and somehow. And the story ends up being it. It was called Beatrice and Virgil. Now, I got it in the airport because uh, Beatrice and Virgil are uh, two of the characters in the Divine Comedy. Turns out they're the name of a stuffed donkey and a baboon uh, in this story. And there's like hardly anything about Dante or the Divine uh-huh. Comedy. Yeah, I just... Hmm. I don't want to give too much away, but I remember I gave it to Brother Sam, and he, he found it disturbing. Uh-huh. I mean, it is a disturbing book, but in a way... Have you ever read things like this? Like, God damn, man, this gave me weird thoughts. But uh, then you think, maybe it's still good I read it. Mm-hmm, mm. Sure. It's okay.
2: Yeah. Stretch yeah. out the envelope. Mm. That P was real cool.
0: Man, it it's a sick fucking story. And it's not that long. It's like that other one. Not mm. kind of comes on like a children's book in a uh, way.
1: Yeah. But to make it into a movie, in a 3D movie, yeah, that, it's just kirby. like a nightmare. They built this
0: gigantic
1: tank where they can control oh, the weather. He's a yeah, sure. They made it; it's bigger than the football field. They had to build it from scratch in Taiwan, and it has they can make category five waves. It's all controlled, completely insane. Jeff has been sending photos. He
2: said the crew got seasick and stuff because they're stationed on the boat the whole yeah. time. Yeah, seasick <laughs> yeah. and pond, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Well, it's a big ass pool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Station all day. Mm. a <laughs> little raft.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> wow. Oh, and all the
0: cats making up the things. Mm-hmm. And, right, make a person has to float on sure. over there. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's nuts. Wow. But so they've been they've been filming since December. Usually a, a feature film, they'll take yeah. two to maybe four months to shoot, like to do all the sh- the filming, the actual filming with the actors. Uh, this one had, uh, uh, right from the starting gate, had a seven-month shooting schedule. That's, like, fucking insane.
0: And, that, you know? and that's only set.
1: No, no, it's not, not well, the only one. But, but, a, but a, they spent, like, three of those seven months in that tank. In the tank. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it starts off, he lives in a zoo. His dad's selling the zoo off. They're going to move to Seattle, and the freighter sinks. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I heard that uh, there's a tiger that eats everything. Yeah. And yeah. then the dilemma is, how am I going to keep this guy yeah. from Yeah, him?
2: right. So he, he, he kicks into his... He remembers tiger training, you like Tiger in a Circus, so he, he uses these From little From his family's and, yeah, work? Oh. Yeah, tiger mm-hmm. trainer tricks.
1: Should be interesting. We'll see.
0: Wow.
2: Ang Lee's
1: a director. He's done some really good work.
0: Oh, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Did he do the Memories of a Geisha? Was that him?
1: No, that's not him. Uh, I think, I want to say it's Bob Fosse, but I could be wrong. But uh, that's a good film, Memories of a Geisha. No, he did, uh, like a thing more recently, a movie called Lust Caution.
0: He did Brokeback Mountain.
1: Yeah, he did Brokeback Mountain. Of
0: course, I'm going to oh, yeah. forget. I yeah. mean, what's wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a gay cat,
1: you know. Well,
0: I dig him. Uh, But, okay, one of these reasons why two months max for a big one here mm-hmm. is the monies, right? Yeah, So maybe money. it's cheaper as doing the stuff over there?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's strange. I mean, they have big tanks, like water tanks, in the United States that they, that they could have used. But I think Ang Lee wanted to... He's from Taiwan. Yeah. Or from Hong Kong or somewhere in that region. And I think he just wanted to... He wanted to film down in the, in the homeland. And now he's, his career is such that he can pretty much call the shots. So I call got, it. Right? So he says, here's here's what I want to do and yeah. here's where I want to do it. Any questions? so, yeah. Yeah, so... You know, good for him. Did work for him. Uh, I think I have a long time ago on some small projects or music videos or something. But I've worked with so many people over the years, I can't remember. Well,
0: you mean he did music visits?
1: Yeah, I and mean, a lot of these guys they do they do commercials. I mean, well,
0: Kay told me that a lot of the new directors come from commercials. Well, world. not
1: just not, not just new directors like Martin Scorsese. Commercials you see on TV today may may have been uh, directed by Martin Scorsese, the Cohen brothers. In fact, the guy whose house I'm house sitting at, who's doing this uh, this movie in China right now, uh, was uh, he was one of the grips on the Coen brothers, uh, not their movies, but on their commercials. And, uh, I mean, like big commercials, like for Honda, you know, car I'm commercials. Sure. But you, the viewer, doesn't know that some famous director did that commercial when you're seeing it. So they almost all do it because ultimately they're all whores, and the money is really good. They can't say, they can't, they don't want to do it. They want to say no, but when they see what they're offering, they can't say no.
0: Oh, so you're talking about later in the game. Yeah. It's like a starting off, not no. like a prep school thing. It's like
1: right now, Martin Scorsese, he could be directing a commercial right now as we speak. Mm. You know, he doesn't need to, but the money these guys get paid is so insane. Well, once
0: they have a name, maybe that may more, gives more yeah. credibility Absolutely. to your commercial. Yeah. yeah. But I was thinking of it more like a farm. Yeah. League. Well,
1: there's some of that, too, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's what Kay was telling me. Yeah, yeah. They, they, like, this is where they're recruiting yeah. these guys. Well, they,
1: they did a lot of that in music video, too, like uh, 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 Michael Bay. Yeah. Uh, who, uh, you know, I don't really like Michael's movies, big action movies, but, you know, like the Transformers movies, that whole franchise. That's all Michael Bay. I used to work with him in the, in the early and mid-80s on music videos. And he was just... He was a screamer. Just a real hard man to work uh, work for. And then later... In later years, I worked with him on uh, like Armageddon, that Bruce Willis movie. Yeah. Uh, I worked on the effects crew. And uh, he would show up every now and then. Usually the effects department gets left alone and then the director shows up every now and then. And it'd be a big dog and pony show. But he started out as just some nobody music video director. Another good one is Spike Jones, who's actually a super cool guy... And, uh, oh, I know.
0: Spike? He's a funny one. Yeah, Spike's great. Videos, but if you think about it, music videos are commercials,
1: right? They sure are, <laughs> and they're done not doing them that much anymore. But this was back in the day, right? When right. When they
0: don't do them much anymore, right? I just saw a twenty-minute one that oh. Adam Yak did. Did you see the one?
1: Did you see this one? The, one, the one with the Beastie, Beastie Boys? boys? Yeah, yeah. showed it to me. It's so funny. <laughs> it's classic.
0: And Actually, there's two. <laughs> Groups of cats from the yeah, Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> Will Ferrell. Yeah, it's so good. All star cast, man. All star yeah, cast. Yeah, superstars like in that thing. All. all kinds of superstars. The, 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 uh, the blue eye. He looks a little like Ad-Rock a little bit.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Seth Rogen? Oh, no, no. Is it Vince Vaughn? Hi, it
2: yeah yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The other cats no. don't look. No, not at no. all. That's part of the joke, though.
0: That's a really well done Oh, I know, movie, I know. Man. And then at the end when they start pissing on oh, you. Oh, know, God. Because he's talking about
2: pissing down. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, and then here comes the real big uh, cat. Yeah, crazy was, piss with fight. With the sticks and beating
2: them in the cops. Yeah, it's great. It's Big beards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's classic. Have
0: you ever see cops
2: with <laughs> big beards, right?
0: <laughs> man, that was really good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. That's funny.
0: Uh, it was right after my tour, the day after I came back from the U.S.-Canada tour, and Adam wrote me an email. He hey, I want you to see this thing I made, and it was at the Egyptian. Yeah, he directed it, yeah. And wrote it and produced yeah, yeah, it, yeah. the whole dealio.
1: Yeah. Man,
0: how did he get all that? I mean, he
1: had all-star stars, yeah. Like, I mean, Tom yeah. Cruise is in that, Susan Sarandon.
0: Uh, I mean, can't even think of yeah, all that. I mean, it's radio. like
1: every character that shows up is you like a major Hollywood it. star. It's like... Who? Uh,
0: how well, Maybe they, anybody who would asked would want to be in it.
1: I, I suppose. Maybe, you know. Big fans. You I know, know
0: Mike uh, D uh, married to Tamara and she was a director later. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So maybe there's some connections. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, I didn't recognize a lot of. Maybe they were wearing makeup and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I thought he did great. Yeah, I, was very it's cool. all riffing on that song they did yeah. when they uh-huh. were young. Yeah. Uh, fight to your party. Uh, you, your you right got to, to fight party. for your
1: right to party, yeah. yeah. Was that off uh, Paul's Boutique? That was a great, uh, great disc. Uh, it was uh, earlier than that, I think, right? License, license to Ill. Yeah. Yeah, License yeah. to Ill. Yeah, Paul's I worked boutique with them too uh, years ago. I did one of their music videos. It was for uh, Check Your Head.
0: That's a great yeah. album. I got to uh, open up for them on a tour leg of the yeah. tour. Yeah, yeah. It's when they start playing their stuff, yeah. mm-hmm. they had a studio out in like
1: Atwater Village in that's Glendale. Right. yeah, yeah that's where we filmed it, yeah, and, and, and the skateboard ramp yeah. inside, yeah, it was yeah, it was yeah,
0: above a plumber yeah. shop, right,
1: right, exactly. I used to, that's I where recorded we recorded
0: with Perry there, uh, Satellite of Love, the Lou Reed song, uh, yeah, uh, for I think it was Carey, yeah, uh, cable, cable guy,
1: uh huh, uh, oh, uh, Drew, uh, not Drew Carey, what's his name, no, Jim Carey, Jim Carey, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, and he asked for Pyro to do this song. And it was this trippy-ass version of Satellite of Love. Uh, speaking of which, we should play some uh, music. You know who we lost this week?
1: Tell me. Skill, Scott Heron. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. So, He's uh, like the original of the grandfather rapper, man. Yeah. He would always try to. He well, would I reject that notion. Albums but... a
0: little before him, but not much. Uh-huh. He's right on there. Yeah. Uh, so I got some spiel where he gave a little talk, and he does his famous. Uh, yeah. What everybody knows about what. It's not going to be televised. Uh-huh. Because it will be live. Yeah. The revolution.
3: Certain people, though, have contributed such a great deal to the blues and to my understanding of it that I have named particular poems after them and particular phases of the blues after them like Joe Williams always sounded like a horn when he was doing them big city big band blues so I had the Joe Williams blues down which was big band sound going to Chicago sorry but I can't take you do 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 me write that down Joe Williams yeah and then like on the other end of that spectrum I had like the Jimmy Reed blues Jimmy Reed got you into geometry you see because he delivered his blues from an angle And Jimmy Reed's blues would be something like, um... Bright
4: lights
3: and big city Done gone to my baby's head Yeah, Jimmy Reed. Jimmy Reed, you see, like, about four doubles into the evening, Jimmy Reed became a genius. (laughs) Soon as you got right here, you say, yeah, play that again. That's something, it's something like that, right? Um... (laughs) This is how Jimmy Reed is the hero of everybody who stays up from one o'clock on. (laughs) Because his stuff started to make more and more sense around closing time. (laughs) Uh, And with all the different kinds of blues I was getting into, I started to do some research on it. Because the more I heard and the more I I, I checked it out, the the more I wanted to know. So I found out that a a lot of poets had worked on different phases of the blues back during the Harlem Renaissance. Langston Hughes, uh, County Cullen, Claude McKay, Sterling Brown, Gene Toomer. These people were, were blues poets and they polished this, this art form to the, to the, to the degree of, that it became scientific in its approach. And, I, and the more research I did, the more I found that there was a 200-year legacy of poetry that had been fashioned along ideas that correlated with the blues that went back from 1789 that chronicled our life and our life experiences here in this country. And the more I found out about our own history, the more I was disappointed about how little we had been informed of our history. So it made me want to put a poem together to explain what had been overlooked. And the poem was called Black History. It said, I was wondering about our yesterdays and started digging through the rubble. And to say the least, somebody went to a hell of a lot of trouble. To make sure that when we looked things up, we wouldn't fare too well and we would come up with totally unreliable portraits of ourselves. But I compiled what few facts I could, I mean, such as they are, to see if we could shed a little bit of light. And this is what I got so far. First, white folks discovered Africa. And they claimed it fair and square. Cecil Rhodes couldn't have been robbing nobody, because hell, he said, wasn't nobody there. (laughs) White folks brought all the civilization. They said, wasn't none around. Because how could these folks over here be civilized when they didn't see nobody writing nothing down? And just to prove all their suspicions, well, it didn't take too long. They found out there were whole groups of people in plain sight running around without much clothes on. That's right. There was women and men and young folks and old folks. Well, righteous folks just covered their eyes. And no time was spent considering the environment. They just said, hell no, this this, this ain't civilized. And another way they knew the folks was backwards, or at least this is how we were taught, is that unlike the very civilized people of Europe, these black groups actually fought. And yes, there were some crude implements, and yes, they had primitive art. And yes, they were masters of hunting and fishing, and courtesy came from the heart. And yes, there was love and medicine, religion, intertribal communication by drum. But no papers and pencils and other utensils and hell, these folks never even heard of a gun. So this is why the colonies came to stabilize the land. The dark continent had copper and gold and the discoverers had themselves a plan. (laughs) They would discover all the places with promise. You didn't need no titles and deeds. And then you would appoint people to make everything legal to sanction the trickery and the greed. And back in the jungle, if the natives got restless, well, you call that guerrilla attack? And you never described that some folks might have got wise and decided that they was going to fight back. But still, we are victims of word games. Semantics is always a bitch. Places once called underdeveloped and backwards, they now call them mineral rich. But still, it seems like the game goes on with unity just beyond our reach. Libya and Egypt used to be in Africa. They've been moved to the Middle East. There are examples galore, I assure you. But if interpreting was left up to me, I'd be sure every time folks knew this version wasn't mine, which is why it is called His Story. Black History, thank you very much. Thank you. You see, how how we see things and how we relate to it becomes very important. as it was in terms of history, so it is in terms of of right now. Like, um, you see, when I go to see the movies and what have you, I be careful about who I be identifying with. For example, like, when I went to see Jaws, I was for Jaws. But Jaws was the home team. Some bitch was in the water. Which is where he's supposed to have been. You see, I'm saying now if Jaws was to come in here, I would be with you, grabbing some, trying to beat this son of a bitch back. But Jaws was in the water. This is where sharks are known to be in the water. You going to the beach? He going to the supermarket. But see, something like that it just show you why you can't hardly have no black people in no horror movies. Because soon as they found out Jaws was in the water, black people said, No, I'm not going in the water. Jaws is in the water. See, I mean, that's the the whole thing about it. That, like, Jaws couldn't catch no black people because we can hear the music. Yeah, <laughs> here come that goddamn shock with his band. <laughs> you see, like, 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 like the idea about how effective or, or how how thoroughly dominant. Television, for example. See, television, like a lot of black folks watch television because they think it's free. See, my grandma used to say, anything I got to watch is dangerous. And then, of course, there's that old ode to paranoia. I thought I was watching TV, and it turned out the TV was watching me. See, they got these machines nowadays where you can call people and turn it on a certain station, and if they got the same kind of hookup you can, you can see them. They can see you on the television set. What makes you think you have to call somebody? <laughs> See, the whole idea became how indelible these, 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 these marks were going to be on our community and on the way we have dealt with things. We started to, to look up certain aspects of our history to find out how how bluesology, the science, had been, had been mastered and brought to this point. And we started to look at certain aspects of the media as being responsible. We wrote a poem that went like this. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on Skag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. You see, a lot of times people see see, see, see battles and skirmishes on TV and they say, aha, the revolution is being televised. Nah, the results of the revolution are being televised. The first revolution is when you change your mind about how you look at things, and see that there might be another way to look at it that you have not been shown. What you see later on is the results of that, but the revolution, that change that takes place, will not be televised. It will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions. It will not be brought to you by the Schaefer Award Theater or Miller Lite, starring Natalie Wood and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. The revolution will not be televised. revolution will not be right back after a message about white lightning, white tornadoes, or white people. You'll not have to worry about the dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not get rid of the nubs. The revolution will not make you look like you lost five pounds. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the one at 8.32 on reports from 29 districts. The revolution will not be televised. The theme song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Key, nor sung by Tom Jones, Glenn Campbell, Johnny Cash, or Engelbert Humperdinck, nor none of the other little Humperdincks, should there be any. The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, not be televised, and be no rerun, brothers and sisters. The revolution will be live.
0: Why from Pedro Show? Uh, yeah, that was Gil Scott Heron with the talk on bluesology, etc. And uh, he he will be missed, but his impact was big time. So in a way, his art will go through the culture and not be extinguished, yeah, even yeah. whether cats know it or not. He a big impact. five. Yeah, he left a mark. Him and people like last poets were like, whoa. They were like so intense on the word.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They didn't want the distraction of band and music. Uh, right, it was intense in the rhythm of the voice.
1: Yeah.
0: We reverse a voice of choice, Go Team, and the Jay Beach by Joaquin A. I came from uh, before yesterday. Came from England. I did the first Stooges gig for the summer. Yeah, this is what they do: is festivals over there. Uh huh. But it was just one. Usually they're like blocks of four or five. Uh-huh. And this was in Newcastle, which is in the northeast part of England, about 60 miles from Scotland. And uh, I hadn't played there in 20 years. What was the festival? It was called the Evolution Festival. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It was right by the river. It's on, on the Tyne, Newcastle, upon the Tyne. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, on, uh, they call it Peter There, a key. Uh. And they spell it Q-U-A-Y. A-Y, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Huh.
1: They do that in Canada, too.
0: Well, probably from the
1: England, uh, <laughs> influence there.
0: Yeah. Uh, have you ever been, you've been to Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, I lived, there. I lived up the, there
1: a couple times over the last few years.
0: Well, you know about the Peace Arch. Yeah. There's Arch right there. Yeah, yeah. Blaine. Mm-hmm. I think Douglas is the Canada side, Blaine's the U.S. side. Mm-hmm. And it says, of a com- common mother uh-huh. on, on their side. Our side has some other kind of. Don't tread <laughs> on me. Yeah, something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Separated at <and burnt>. birth.
0: <laughs> anyway, the gig was pretty wild. There was a 93 dB limit, so it was kind of a little. Tinier
2: little, uh, than
1: normal. You know yeah, what you norm- do boy <laughs> What do you normally play at? Do you know?
2: as the shit goes
0: <laughs> but Europe more and more is getting more restrictive on these uh, noise kind of things which is trippy for that, that band but and it was cold you know it is, it, is it hard for you ago.
1: to play like when you first hit the stage and it's fucking cold out I mean do you spend a lot time warming up
0: yeah well I was playing outside a little to get used to it so it yeah. would be a big, big shot yeah there was there's lights that keep you kind of warm right uh, but they kept going out the generator kept <laughs> tripping so they had to uh, but it was a good gig. We hadn't played since the gig Brother Matt was at in Ann Arbor. Uh, so there, it wasn't clamless. Mm-hmm. But we never, like he never came out of the water all the way. So uh, for a cherry gig for the, the season, the Stooges Festival season in Europe, it, it was a good one. We stayed at some castle, this hotel. They turned this castle from, it was built in 1395. Lumley Castle. This guy, Sir Ralph Lumley, built it. Five years later, picked the wrong side in a rebellion. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, Shakespeare writes about it in Richard II with Gloucester. Richard II. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he guy's head cut off, so you didn't get to live uh-huh. in it long. time. <laughs> I think they gave it to the Earl of Scarborough or something. But here it is, you know. Now, I was in a room that was from the stables at... Uh, Courtyard kind of things that was added in the 1700s, but man, there was some oldage. That was a trip, and I was looking later when I got home, and yeah, there's supposed to be ghosts and uh, hauntedness and kind of stuff, but no sign. Uh, it was uh, it was okay. It was windy and it rained for a while. Luckily, when we played last time, I played there. It was a <laughs> club called the Riverside. And it was cold and wet. I remember Newcastle people, were, what What did he call it? He called it the Bricks. You know, this was a town like a tough town. Uh-huh. And uh, I was telling you before, the animals are from there. Eric Burden. Oh, right, right. And you can tell them their music is kind of, yeah, no, no silver spoon town. So,
2: uh, but he still didn't need a shirt to battle the cold. Yeah, uh-huh. it was out there with no <laughs> shirt,
0: man. He said when he was out there with the folks, it was a little cold, so he'd run back up on the stage. and, uh, Yeah, his, his thing is so wild. He also t- told his two, no, nobody's going to come up.
2: Yeah, uh, sure no enough, sure a... came, he brought him up. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: he can't, can't resist. <laughs> You know, I'll blame him. Uh, right before I left, uh, saw Motoko Honda. In fact, right, right before we did this last show. Right with uh, what out, uh, Leo Smith. Uh, she gave me a new album she did with uh, uh, Emily May a flautist, and uh, Brad Dutz. And uh, he's a percussion man. And uh, Mr. Wayne Pete recorded an organ player. He's even on a couple tunes. Uh, but who's a good friend and now's client. So, ain't that a trip? I mean, the, Gig was that to tell you about In the, the gig? Yeah, all yeah. kinds
2: of jazz big masters, autographed pictures.
0: This lady, Miss Mimi, man, what a patron! Respect. So we're going to hear something new from. Uh, they call this unit the uh, Polarity Taskmasters. and go. from Pedro Show. Uh, that was Polarity Taskmasters with Cooler Than My Wife on a new album uh, just out. Look at rock split open on the cover there.
2: Oh yeah, oh, yeah. That's big rock.
0: Yeah, big rock. Kind of ocean side thing. Yeah. That's not... Float the anchor, sink the anchor. We'll play there's more stuff for future shows. The
2: but, Joshua Tree Rock. This is where, where we were. This is right by the, uh, the Jesus.
1: anchor front. Check it out. I'll show you. It's on my by camera. what?
2: Joshua Tree.
1: It's near Joshua Tree. Yeah. And there's this place. There's this dome. So it's
2: in the desert.
1: Yeah. It's not in the ocean. Okay. No, it's not. It's crazy. I was just there last weekend. The now, what's, what's the
0: chances of that? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Brother Twan. <laughs> right? The connector. <laughs> you never know. The resin, the catalyst. <laughs> yeah. You check it out. You got it on your bone phone? Check it out. There's one right there. Oh,
1: There's wow. That. There it is. That's on the other side. The broken out pieces on yeah. the back side. I don't get any shots from you. What's this that. called? It's called Giant Rock. Gi-
5: <laughs> yeah, <that> makes
2: sense. <laughs> so, yeah. and
1: here's where I was at this place right uh, here. Were you at the festival with Brother Matt? Yeah. See, this is the Integritron. It's a dome that was built in uh, 1949 by this government scientist who went bonkers.
6: Yeah. And he started
1: claiming that the, the uh, aliens were communicating with him and told him to build this place. Yeah. As a place for them to all communicate. So, and it's been. There. It's all made out of wood. There's no metal and or nails. And they. Uh, wow. And they just put it together with glue. It's really an amazing
0: place. Integrid integra Integratron,
1: Integritron. Integra-tron. Yeah. Integra-tron.
0: yeah. Oh, like integrity?
2: You go get sound bath there Yeah Okay Straighten out yeah. your shop Wow and, Yeah, it's hard to Okay, you know. I
0: gotta look at that And then this is Joshua Tree
1: Yeah, it's actually Landers is where it's at That's
0: the name of the town?
1: Okay. Yeah, which is like the meth capital of the world, I'm told
0: We got some new uh, tunes from uh, We Have a Meth Lab We're gonna Right, right Next out. Yeah
2: Oh, yeah yeah, speaking of
0: which, we're at the end of the first hour, May 31st, 2011, last day of May. Yeah. From Pedro's show. Hang tight for hour two. May 31st, 2011. It's the second hour of the Lot from Pedro's show.
4: Less delicate than the locust. Balls, he said, I'm tired of painting. Let's go out. I'm tired of the stink of oils. I'm tired of being great. I'm tired of waiting to die. Let's go out. Go out where, she asked. Anywhere. Eat, drink, see. Jorg, she said. What will I do when you die? You will eat, sleep, fuck, piss, shit, clothe yourself, walk around and bitch. I need security. We all do. "'I mean, we're not married. I won't even be able to collect your insurance.' "'That's all right. Don't worry about it. "'Besides, you don't believe in marriage, Arlene.' "'Arlene was sitting in a pink chair reading the afternoon newspaper. "'You say 5,000 women want to sleep with you. "'Where does that leave me?' "'5,001. "'You think I can't get another man?' "'No, there's no problem for you. "'You can get another man in three minutes. "'You think I need a great painter?' "'No, you don't. A good plumber would do.' "'Yes, as long as he loved me. "'Of course. Put on your coat. Let's go out.' "'They came down the stairway from the top loft. "'All around were cheap, roach-filled rooms.' But nobody seemed to be starving. They always seemed to be cooking things in large pots and sitting around, smoking, cleaning their fingernails, drinking cans of beer, or sharing a tall blue bottle of white wine, screaming at each other, or laughing, or farting, belching, scratching, or asleep in front of the TV. Not many people in the world had very much money, but the less money they had, the better they seemed to live. Sleep, clean sheets, food, drink, and hemorrhoid ointment were their only needs. And they always left their doors a bit open. Fools, said Jorg as they walked down the stairway. They twaddle away their lives and clutter up mine. Oh, Jorg, Arlene sighed, you just don't like people, do you? Jorg arced an eyebrow at her, didn't answer. Arlene's response to his feelings for the masses was always the same, as if not loving people revealed an unforgiving shortcoming of soul. But she was an excellent fuck and pleasant to have around most of the time. They reached the boulevard and walked along, Jorg with his red and white beard and broken yellow teeth and bad breath, purple ears, frightened eyes, stinking torn overcoat and white ivory cane. When he felt worst, he felt best. Shit, he said, everything shits until it dies. Arlene bobbled her ass, making no secret of it and Jorg pounded the pavement with his cane, and even the sun looked down and said, Ho, ho! Finally they reached the old dingy building where Sergei lived. Jorg and Sergei had both been painting for many years, but it was not until recently that their work sold for more than pig farts. They had starved together, now they were getting famous separately. Jorgen and Arlene entered the hotel and began climbing the stairway. The smell of iodine and frying chicken was in the halls. In one room, somebody was getting fucked and making no secret of it. They climbed to the top loft and Arlene knocked. The door popped open and there was Sergei. Peekaboo, he said. Then he blushed. Oh, sorry, come in. What the hell's the matter with you? asked Jorg. Sit down. I thought it was Lila. You play peekaboo with Lila? It's nothing. Sergey, you've got to get rid of that girl. She's destroying your mind. She sharpens my pencils. Sergey, she's too young for you. She's 30. And you're 60. That's 30 years. 30 years is too much, of course. "'How about 20?' asked Sergei, looking at Arlene. "'Twenty years is acceptable. Thirty years is obscene.' "'Why don't you both get women your own age?' asked Arlene. "'They both looked at her. "'She likes to make little jokes,' said Jorg. "'Yes,' said Sergei. "'She is funny. "'Come on. "'Look, I'll show you what I'm doing.' "'They followed him into the bedroom.' He took off his shoes and lay flat on the bed. See, like this, all the comforts. Sergey had his paintbrushes on long handles, and he painted on a canvas fastened to the ceiling. It's my back. Can't paint ten minutes without stopping. This way I can go on for hours. Who mixes your colors? Lila, I tell her. Stick it in the blue, now a bit of green. She's quite good. Eventually, I might even let her work the brushes, too. I'll just lay around and read magazines. Then they heard Lila coming up the stairway. She opened the door, came across the front room, and entered the bedroom. Hey, she said, I see the old fuck's painting. Yeah, said Jorg, he claims you hurt his back. I said, no such thing. Let's go out and eat, said Arlene. Sergey moaned and got up. Honest to Christ, said Lila, he just lays around like a sick frog most of the time. I need a drink, said Sergei. I'll snap back. They went down the street together and moved toward the sheep's tick. Two young men in their mid-twenties ran up. They had on turtleneck sweaters. Hey, you guys are the painters, Jorg Swenson and Sergei Morrow. Get the hell out of the way, said Sergei. Jorg swung his ivory cane. He got the short of the young man right on the knee. Shit, said the young man, you've broken my leg. I hope so, said Jorg. Maybe you'll learn some damn civility. They moved on toward the sheep's tick. As they entered, a buzzing arose from the diners. The head waiter immediately rushed up, bowing and waving menus and speaking endearments in Italian, French, and Russian. Look at that long black hair at his nostrils, said Sergei, truly sickening. Yes, said Jorg, and then he shouted at the waiter, Hide your nose! Five bottles of your best wine screamed Sergei as I sat down at the best table. The head waiter vanished. You two are real assholes, said Lila. Jorg ran his hand up her leg. Two living immortals are allowed certain indiscretions. Get your hand off my pussy, Jorg. It's not your pussy, it's Sergei's pussy. Get your hand off Sergei's pussy or I'll scream. My will is weak, she screamed. Jorg removed his hand. The head waiter came toward them with a wagon and bucket of chilled wine. He rolled it up, bowed, and pulled one cork. He filled Jorg's glass. Jorg drained it. It's shit, but okay. Open the bottles. All the bottles? All the bottles, asshole, and be quick about it. He's clumsy, said Sergey. Look at him. Shall we dine? Dine, said Arlene. All you guys do is drink. I don't think I've seen either of you eat more than a soft boiled egg. Mm-hmm. Get out of my sight, coward, Sergey said to the waiter. The head waiter vanished. You guys shouldn't talk to people that way, said Lila. We've paid our dues, said Sergey. You've got no right, said Arlene. I suppose not, said Jorg, but it's interesting. People don't have to take that crap, said Lila. People accept what they accept, said Jorg. They accept far worse. It's your paintings they want, that's all, said Arlene. We are our paintings, said Sergei. Women are stupid, said Jorg. Be careful, said Sergei. They are also capable of terrible acts of vengeance. They sat for a couple hours drinking the wine. Man is less delicate than the locust," said Jorg finally. Man is the sewer of the universe, said Sergey. You guys are really assholes, said Lila. Sure are, said Arlene. Let's switch tonight, said Jorg. I'll fuck your pussy and you fuck mine. Oh no, said Arlene, none of that. "'Right,' said Lila. "'I feel like painting now,' said Jorg. "'I'm bored with drinking. "'I feel like painting too,' said Sergey. "'Let's get out of here,' said Jorg. "'Listen,' said Lila, "'you guys haven't paid the bill yet.' "'Bill!' screamed Sergey. "'You don't think we're going to pay money for this rotgut?' "'Let's go,' said Jorg. "'As they rose, the head waiter came up with the bill.' This rot gut stinks! screamed Sergei, jumping up and down. I would never ask anyone to pay for stuff like this. I want you to know the proof is in the piss. Sergei grabbed a half bottle of the wine, ripped open the waiter's shirt, and poured the wine over his chest. Georg held his ivory cane like a sword. The head waiter looked confused. He was a beautiful young man with long fingernails, in an expensive apartment. He was studying chemistry and once won second prize in an opera competition. Jorg swung his cane and caught the waiter hard just below the left ear. The waiter turned very white and swayed. Jorg hit him three times more in the same spot, and he dropped. They walked out together, Sergey, Jorg, Lila, and Arlene. They were all drunk, but there was a certain stature about them, something unique. They got out the door and went down the street. A young couple seated at a table near the door had watched the entire proceedings. The young man looked intelligent. Only a large mole near the end of his nose marred the effect. His girl was fat but lovable in a dark blue dress. She had once wanted to be a nun. "'Weren't they magnificent?' asked the young man. "'They were assholes,' said the girl. The young man waved for a third bottle of wine. "'It was going to be another difficult night.'
0: For Pedro show, started off second hour with some uh, former Pedro. Well, no, he's permanent Pedro resident, Charles Booth. yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, he, uh, last fourteen years living here, but yeah. he's supplanted in uh, Green, Green Hills, Hills. Yeah. or De Boone is. Yeah, yeah, permanent, permanent. Yeah, uh, resident. Uh, less delicate than the locust. Some spiel from him. Great stuff. Uh, scotty son, uh, Stooges' drummer, told me he's on a Bukowski kick. He's reading all kinds of Oh, loves cool. It, loves it. Then we heard Rote Gruen Tote by Derplan. And I think that means Red Green Death. Mm. This is a Dusseldorf band from the late 70s. Great band. Mm. Kind of in the tradition of Kraftwerk. A lot of younger guys who were influenced by them back in those days. Uh, I remember getting that record, man. It was a trippy. It was like... Uh, I like kind of a nativity scene, old, styly middle ages painting, but the baby's like a little robot, you know. That's <laughs> drawn in there, and you know, it's a trip. And they on the back. There's three guys in the band, and they're uh, dressed as clowns,
2: <laughs> you
0: know, like togas, like red togas. Yeah, it was very trip, bizarre. <laughs> Great band, though, man. That's when you, when you got a punk record, you didn't know what it was going to sound like. Mm. You just didn't know. And there's no guitars, no drums. this band, I think they used uh, machines, but they, it was like traditional power trio. Then we heard uh, Angus Agnes. I spelled this wrong, boy. Agnes Steck, which is a nom de plume for Chris Kroger, Texas Cat, poet, artist, painter, provocateur, and he, uh, his piece there, Drive-In Surf Ninjas. And then uh, we heard Ice House Girl by We Have a Meth Lab. Yeah. yeah. And then The philatelist f- the <laughs> Lament by The Bugs. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, uh, kind of infamous because uh, Liner Notes by Richard Meltzer. Oh, right on. And Richard was telling me some story about this.
2: That's I think they were man. like the
0: third band. Yeah, two other bands asked him for liner notes and then bumped out on him. So just get you know, finally on the third, it might be the same notes even. <laughs> All right.
2: Yeah. The work was already done. <laughs> just fill in the blanks. <laughs> uh,
0: Eric Bloom, the singer of Bloisco, got in touch with me and uh uh Told him about Pride with Richard Meltzer coming out, Spielgusher. Oh, she's going to be the drummer for Chibamata
2: touring. Oh,
0: cool. They're going to you play can. with the Yellow Magic Orchestra at the Hollywood Bowl
2: wow. in a couple weeks. Wow, yeah. bitchin'. Very yeah. cool. Wow.
0: Um, yeah, Eric Boom, I got to meet him once. You know, uh, it was at somebody's pad, it was in the 90s later 90s maybe? Or middle 90s? I can't remember for sure, but uh, yeah, you know, I've already met the rhythm section, the Bouchard brothers, Albert and Joe, bass and drum, and in fact got to play with them and stuff. And then uh, here's Eric Bloom, and uh, first thing he tells me is, uh, you know, I wake up in the morning and I put my pants on one leg at a time. <laughs> and like... Yeah, I was like, whoa, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> right? I'm, I want to hear about some
2: contraption. Yeah, I want to see your... Uh, <laughs> kind of like flings
0: them
2: in the... the fireman apparatus. <laughs> the <laughs> pants setter.
0: Fireman apparatus. You know, and sticks the mirror shades on, the laser beam wrist rocket. Yeah. And I, I don't want to hear one leg he <laughs> that. Bul- right. I think he was bullshitting
1: you anyway. <laughs> Well, to know about
2: the Panzer?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the <pantser. laughs> And uh, so the, I hadn't met Buck Dharma or Al Lanier. So there's two of them I still haven't met. But uh, he said he hadn't talked to Richard in a long time but that'd be trippy for those two cats. Although you know talking to Richard I got to spend the whole afternoon and evening with Ooh. him last month when I was there in Portland he ain't that interested in people from the old days uh,
2: no he's like a f- going forward
0: yeah 67 no wow he's a uh, incredible cat I love him having trouble with uh, his book uh, not writing it it's wrote. we're it's, getting it published I heard Amazon just started selling more of the Kindle than
2: Mm-hmm. Paper yeah, thats over
0: there. Mm-hmm. Uh. So I told Richard, fucking Walt Whitman did it in 1855, self-published.
5: Uh.
0: Mm-hmm. Really ain't in it. Didn't start with punk. It actually goes back. Walt Whitman. So, you know, and then he said, yeah, I've been checking it out. Yeah, I could pick my own paper. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there's a little control thing. Nobody's going to edit your shit. Uh. And
1: I think it's it's uh, so much more common these days than uh, yeah. than re- more you know in, in recent years or in previous years.
0: I think a publisher now is just looking at somebody who's got some tabloid life, like some kind of mm-hmm. expose. Or right. Something.
1: It's almost like the publishers are going the same way that the record uh, company's gone.
0: And then, yeah, yeah. Then even if you see the fiction, it's the same old, same old. hmm These gothic things or these spy crime things. Vampires. And vampires. hmm
1: Right. Ro- and romance.
0: That's why I was talking about these <laughs> gothic things. Like yeah, Jacqueline Suzanne. And
1: mm-hmm. uh, you know. it's the same story with different character names <laughs> again and again.
0: But the people eat it up. Yeah, they do. You know, I, I remember Kay. Her favorite writer was Agatha Christie. Mystery. And uh, in England, uh, I saw two of these things. Maybe they were BBC things. They were two different Miss Marples. How she solves the things, you know.
5: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: They're kind of slow, but putting it together. and I could see why Kay kind of dug on it. But those are kind of like puzzles and stuff. Right, you're trying to solve. Oh, Richard, he writes from the gut. Maybe it's just too intense for people. I remember he wrote a book for the his years as a rock writer uh-huh. met in the rockwright called Horgeous Just Like the Rest. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, yeah. You don't pull right. punches,
1: you know? I, I, think that, I think there's a huge market for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I mean, do I. You know? I mean, that's the kind of shit I like to read.
0: He's a beautiful writer. Yeah. Intense. Anyway, one cat for sure, Brother Twan, that we can count on for not compromising or Pulling any shorts. He's by the map with his face That's right. Bring on the full force. Undiluted, untainted.
2: Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, this is... is uh, we went to this cool festival this past week, Lightning in a Bottle, and heard all kinds of bitchin' music. And so I'm just gonna kind of do a little fo- focus on some pretty lights here. That was one of the highlights. Where was it It was down in... Silverado Canyon or yeah, it's something like, like that, It's like Irvine uh, it's Lake. Irvine Lake. Oh, it's, yeah. it's,
1: uh, it's in the foothills around Irvine. It's a really beautiful so piece of land.
2: Yeah, you yeah. never know you're in Irvine. You yeah. know
0: what? I think that this ain't no picnic was out there. Right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fourth ranch. of July,
2: they used to have the, the big punk barbecue and picnic And there's some thing. kind
0: of chain and wallet wife beater thing. Yeah, right?
2: yeah. They got, they got some rockabilly deal. Yeah. yeah, it's used for a lot of different events. It's a really bitchin' spot. Okay. So that's what it's about for today.
5: Okay.
0: Coming from this festival you were just at, but was that all that was to
2: it? Yeah, that's that's pretty much all there was there to it. Uh, they so, really had some pretty lights too. Did you did you catch all of them? They had crazy. Yeah, I lights saw pretty shows. lights play. Uh, the
1: Lightning in the Bottle festival, which you know, it was done by good friends of mine. I used to promote the Lightning in the Bottle when they were just throwing little tiny warehouse up, parties right? in, in L.A. Yeah. Just, I mean, it was just a few years back. I think this one was was this the seventh annual? I think so. Something like that. There uh, was one.
2: They missed one year. Yeah. Three years ago, because they didn't have a, a location that was up to their standards. Right.
1: I think they'd lost their previous location. It was up in Santa, Santa Barbara, Barbara yeah. and uh, they found this new spot, which is like out in the Irvine Lake area, and it's really an amazing spot, but man, they've come a long way, and all it's a great festival. I mean, anybody who wants to go to a kick-ass festival, uh, every uh, Memorial Day, it's a four-day festival, lightning in a bottle com Go check
2: it out. It's 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 uh, it's amazing. Kind of like a couple
0: the, weeks before that, you guys were Joshua Tree, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It Joshua kind of like, like music, best.
2: music of Burning Man uh, was one of like little subtitles for for this festival, so it didn't have nearly the harshness of going out there. Yeah, but and we got some cool.
0: big Burning Man news from from uh, the Twan here. Pepe is coming back.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: opera yeah. man or the burning man yeah
1: it looks like we're going to do another burning man opera for 2012 right which will be 10 years after the last opera we did which right. is 2002 and it's also the last year of the mayan calendar so that that creates kind of a rich backdrop for uh for uh artistic creativity which you know pepe's pepe's a sculptor yeah. and uh so he can invent some pretty amazing things based on on that alone. And uh, so it's something we're working on right now. But.
0: Well, maybe the calendar figure's in that. Since it's supposed to be the end of the calendar, maybe that gets all burned uh-huh. up.
2: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. it that got a
0: trip, too, because the calendar was a disc.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of like the but, wall, one on the wall there. But. Next to the heater.
0: But. The New World people never had the wheel. And no one I thought of know. putting it on an axle. They had it right there. They were looking wow. at it there <laughs> every day. That's funny. Never thought of that,
1: right? You and a, a wheel. Didn't, yeah. re- didn't realize the, the, the relevance there, He's the right importance. There. Yeah,
0: it's <laughs> well, the bicycles late in the game. They had chariots yeah. with two wheels. Right. And no one ever thought of putting one wheel in front of the other.
1: Right. Crazy, like, right? Like
0: thousands of years.
1: <laughs> People carried shit. And they could have been wheeling it. Yeah. Who's <laughs> the dude that broke out of the box? They
0: built roads and they were running on them.
1: Right, right. <laughs>
0: Okay, we we came to the end of the second hour here, uh, May 31st, last days of May, 2011, Watt from Pedro Show, hold tight for hour three. May 31st, 2011, it's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
7: Hollywood. We drove up from Pedro. We were fucking corn dogs, man. We'd go get drunk and pogo.
0: Show start off the third hour with uh Cohesion. Um this is a Minuteman tune. Actually, it's a D-Boom tune. D Boone solo uh, song on uh, Double Nickels on the Dime. And uh what you heard there was Delicate Steve, uh, artist from uh New York City. There was a gig a couple weeks ago at the Bowery Ballroom there in Manhattan where uh uh, younger people uh, in tribute to Michael Azerrad's Our Band Could Be Your Life book uh, did songs from the bands that that book talks about. Oh, and cool. so Delicate Steve did Minuteman.
2: Yeah, very cool game.
0: And uh, that was him on his own on his guitar doing Goesian. And then we heard History Lesson Part 2 with a uh, guest, Lee Ronaldo from Sonic Youth. By the way, Lee's uh, working on a solo album right now. I think Nels Klein just played some on it. Thurston's just came out. Yeah, with Beck. Uh, Beck did it. Yeah, Beck produced that one, and uh, I think I played something last week from that. I think so. And it's it's different than the other two, solo albums he did. And uh, God, the last time Lee did one was in the '80s. I think every song was on a lock groove. It was called "Lead to Infinity" or something like. <laughs> yeah, you know, lock grooves, right? It keeps playing and playing and uh-huh. playing, and like each tune. Well, tunes. They were like uh, tones, yeah. like droning. <laughs> yeah. Like <your> yeah. <laughs> you know. Then we heard uh, "There and God" by Kings of Lower Town, and then something new from Ed Vetter called "Satellite." He made an album of him on ukulele. Oh wow, cool! And uh, yeah, <laughs> so you're you're going to be dreaming up uh, this uh, opera. Your, yeah, your we're, in the, right we're, we're
1: in the middle of doing it right now. Well, the opera, the Burning Man opera, has turned into... We've got some friends uh, and, and, and new, new friends and old involved who uh, weren't so much interested in just doing one more opera at Burning Man as they were interested in, in developing this into a, a, a touring road show. So now we've got these teams of people, some of which have produced uh, uh, events and festivals like the Earth Dance Festival. A lot of people know about that. And they, the Earth Dance happens. I think it's like in 130 different cities around the country. I mean, around, around the world. Around the world. Yeah. Uh, so we got some Earth Dance people. Who have a new project called the uh, Push for Peace, and. Uh, they loved what we were doing with the Burning Man opera and so now we're kind of like working with them to develop this this road show which would be like a ritual theater. We wanted to create like a, an immersive uh, visceral transformational experience for people so they're not just going to another show yeah. and really blurring the line between audience and performer yeah. so that we're all the performers. Right.
0: No spectators.
1: Yeah, sort of like that. So we, we we haven't come up with what that is yet, but the people that are involved, like Christopher Fueling, the director I work with from the Burning Man Operas, and uh, Christopher also runs the Art Monastery in uh, in Italy. You could that. He's got a website for that. Just look up Art Monastery and you'll you'll find it.
0: Oh, Speaking but, of which, yeah, is there a, a site on the web that talks about this new... No, Put not yet. On this news, so it's all kind of under yeah. The hat. It's a,
1: no, we're we're in the formulation phase right now, and uh, we had a donor give us some some uh, a little bit of uh, upfront seed money to develop the the uh, to to develop what it is we're doing. But I've got full confidence in the people that I've worked with that. Uh, that well, what we come, come up with is going to be a you fucking stellar tell me stellar. In the future
0: though so if people want to know more about this thing they know yeah. where to go
1: well you know they, we, I have the, uh, the Burning Man Opera website that will give you some of the background of what we've done in the past and, what's, uh, what's
0: the name of that site? it's
1: burningmanopera.org or .com it don't matter yeah. and, uh, and eventually we'll put stuff up on that site for this but we'll probably also develop a whole new site for the new project and uh, who knows? Uh, you know, it's, it's a it's a tall order. I don't know if we'll be able You're to pull about it off. something
0: that moves beyond the, 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 this 2012 Burning Man event. It's going to.
1: Yeah, it's, like, it's almost like Burning Man happens later in the year, and what we'd like to do is start touring like, by March of next year, Yeah. so that Burning Man, the, the performance that we do at Burning Man, the Burning Man opera, will be just one of the stops on the right, tour. Right. But it'll also be like a standalone, because what the tour would, would entail is uh, a 60-foot or a 90-foot dome with uh, these crazy high-tech, never-seen-before visuals that are projected on the dome that we would take on the tour, but that won't be out at Burning Man. What we would do at Burning Man is what we used to do at the operas with Pepe building uh, one of his sculptures and we do a right. big performance and then we torch the sculpture at the end. Right, it. right. So it'll be a standalone, but but for all intents and purposes, it is it is one stop on the tour. Yeah, yeah, So we'll see how it all turns out. I'm excited about it. And uh, if we can if we can pull it off, I'll be ecstatic. Uh, and uh, well, we'll see. It's going to be painful though. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no like pain, they say, no gain. right? Like they say, it's like uh, anything worth doing isn't without uh, without oh, the, yeah. its struggle. You know what I mean? So uh, we're in the middle of all that right now. So we'll see.
0: I I am intrigued, Brother Twan. I can't wait. Yeah,
1: I'll let you know. I'll keep yeah, you. Man. I'll keep you in the loop.
0: Okay. Some more
6: tunage. Amare, <laughs> degete sakanatache sora mai wakai It's you, you. Southern, 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 是<音>
0: What from Pedro? show. Uh, let's see, you just heard uh, something from uh, a band that Greg Norton was in. Greg Norton, a Husker Du uh, bass player, which reminds me of Grant Hart, a Husker Drummer, and buddy of his, Charlie Plymel, and buddy of his, Roxy Powell, both 75-year-old oh. cats. Cool. Came to Pedro. Wow. Yeah, last week I gave him a tour. And, uh, yeah, it was happening. Uh, Actually, Roxy uh, was Merchant Marine, you know, this is 40, 50 years ago, but he he remembers Wilmington. Yeah. And Charlie was a longshoreman, but up in Alameda Bay Area. Uh, But they got to see the town, and I took them through the whole trip. It was all days, until their feet were bloody stumps. Uh (laughs) I showed as much as I could. Nice. (laughs) uh, Walkers... Had sandwiches Uh, and chowed them uh, by the trailer park uh, next to Royal Palms. Cool. uh, Yeah, and there was ravens right there using the yeah. They like to play there. Just hanging. Yeah, they like to play there. (laughs) Nanny's raising one.
2: Yes, as she said,
0: I was over there this morning, man. I mean, it's this big. And um, the inside of the mouse is still pink and stuff. It's still a baby, but almost all black on, except for the mouth. Wow. And uh, yeah, talks to her and stuff. Lights on her, you know, she's got talons. Uh She also has got some uh, Seabright uh, Bantam rooster uh, hens. Oh, wow. Yeah, these guys are like uh, silver and black outline. Uh They look like stained glass, like a Tiffany lamp roosters and hens. Mm -hmm. In fact, they're kind of close. They're not such a big difference between... uh, yeah, and of course she's raising them in her pack. Huh, yeah, the and these guys are three days old. Wow! And this raven, his name's Neo. Man, he's coming along, and you know ravens—they're—they're uh, they're, they're smarter than chimps. Huh. You know, I mean, and dolphins. These guys are like—they're supposedly way up there. Not, yeah. And I've seen them. I've seen them. I see how they. Most animals gotta spend their whole day getting chow. You know. They think ravens, maybe 15, 20 percent, 80 percent of the time, they're playing. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, they're like... They get a good
1: meal on, and then it's it's uh, go time. Play. Yeah,
2: yeah, and then she gave me a little history lesson, because they go back all the way. There's, they're in the, the, the Egypt and the, with the monkeys and the Yeah, the mythology, there. you find it yeah. all over the place. They've been existing with, with mankind, and it keeps evolving together. They keep learning new tricks. and
0: Yeah. Also, with wolves, there's a link of ravens with wolves. Oh. Mm-hmm. Like, because they'll they'll eat uh, carrion. You know? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. They're not picky. They're not. Yeah, they're not like uh-huh. a raptor. They don't. Yeah. yeah. So they'll go after, and so that's why they're following on the wolves. Yeah. Uh-huh. Where the scraps? Uh-huh. Are. Yeah. So they got a symbiotic thing going with them a long time ago.
2: Right.
0: It's trippy about them, man. Mm. And uh, you know, here nannies <laughs> living with them.
2: Here's a the thing on YouTube. You see them like tumbling down the snowy hill. They're just having fun. To too, to. Uh, yeah, just yeah they'll taunt other birds. Yeah, I see them up there every afternoon after. with the red-tailed hawks.
0: have yeah, them too. Uh, they're kind of a buzzard, but uh, there's something else. I'm getting a new appreci- appreciation. I know a lot of people think of them as bad luck and kind of evil or some portent, or uh, just they're actually they're beautiful, man. Yeah, they're that black, Smart. their feet, their eyes, everything, their beaks. This dude's beak is so big. Um, yeah, so uh, I want to ask you, Brother Twan, about the, one of these operas you had in the preparation. But uh, I got a little more t- tunes. I got some, uh, Melvin's got a brand new live album out, so I want to play some of that. Because mm. we're nearing the end of the show. When we come back.
5: 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Half a bath. And see the
0: for Pedro's show. Last music for uh, this edition. Uh, Something new from Boris called Party Boy. Yeah, They got Wata singing on this album. It's trippy. And the name of their band comes from a Melbourne song called Boris. And that's what we heard uh, after that. Uh, Melvins have a new live album and we heard Boris. And then finally, a band called German Error Message with I washed the dirt off. German error message. Clean. All the names to think of a band. Yeah, right. (laughs) I just worked... uh,
2: Last
1: week, I worked with a German band on the Jimmy Kimmel show. I was doing lighting on the Jimmy Kimmel show, and they had... uh, What's it? Rammstein. (laughs) Oh.
0: i yeah. do the, the Australia tour with the Stooges, the big day out with yeah. with them cats. Yeah. And when I was coming off stage, he'd be coming, you know, the main man with the, yeah. with the apron. Yeah, yeah. He'd be coming up. Yeah. And I remember one gig, maybe Adelaide or Mel, uh, Melbourne or something. I go, man, give it to him. And he goes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, these, uh, they were kind of a trip. I no, mean, the music crazy. was kind of, you know, kind of a metal with some dance.
1: Yeah, it. yeah, yeah.
0: But uh, kind of a spectacle. Uh, well, they do a lot of
1: fire gags. A lot of humor, too. Yeah, oh, it's funny. Making
0: fun of this whole German kind of... Yeah. Drum. They're, they're having fun with their gig. I, yeah. I, I watched a whole gig. I, I enjoyed thing.
1: it. They played. They just played five songs for the Jimmy Kimmel Show, two of which ended up on the on the TV. Okay. Uh, but, yeah,
0: because uh, he actually played in the back. So yeah, they played
1: play in the back, play. exactly.
0: And he's sitting on a couch. Uh. Yeah. They had couches on yeah, the yeah. side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know where I first met him? He yeah. he was on the K-Rock Love thing. Uh-huh. Love Line. Uh, or yeah. People would call up for oh, right, problems. Right, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Very heavy. Yeah. I don't know if I could do that show. Right. These young people, you could tell they're hurt. Yeah, show. right. He ain't going like, to make jokes. <laughs> that's probably the best <laughs> time to but make that. some jokes. That's where I met him. He was Jim Kimmel, nice cat.
1: Yeah, he is. he's cool, too, man. He's a cool yeah, guy. Yeah. He's, not, he's not all and up on a high horse. he remembered He
0: remembered when I came up there. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody told me that Steve Jones is on k Rock now uh-huh. on Sunday night. Huh. Oh, I got to hear. Yeah. I haven't listened yet. I think
1: I, he might have a show on, on Sirius on the satellite radio, too. That, too? I think so. I think there's some punk guy that's got I think it's Steve Jones comes well, to You know, he had that show. one
0: here for a couple years. Yeah. yeah. Man, he was great. Yeah. I got to be on the show. He, yeah. He had me jam with him. Yeah. Said, if you're going to come on, you better bring your bass. Uh he did all right now. Yeah. Kind of the end part. The TVI. Yeah. And he goes, look, you have a flannel. We got to do Creedence. So we did Born (laughs) on the Bayou. And that's when Georgie, it was at the end. He goes over, right? That (laughs) show's supposed to end. He goes, no, keep playing. Yeah, yeah. And Georgie finally shows up with the bongos. (laughs) Uh huh. But Steve Jones, sharp cat.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, he's, uh, you know he's, he's been sober a long time. I guess he had uh, problems at some point. And, uh, my, uh, the he told guy,
0: me coming up uh, from working people, you know, he's he's not from rich families. Yeah, right, right. But he, happening cat, I really enjoyed being on with him. He's much different than a rock jock or something. Yeah, right, right. A trippy kind of thing he told me. He said, you know, a little bit about sex business. He said, uh, we should have done it like you guys. Uh-huh. Like no roadies. Uh huh. That's what he told me. Yeah, brother Tuan. Uh, uh, I wanted to ask you about this prep that you did uh, for um,
1: the pretty Man opera.
0: Yeah, what well, this one where you wanted to get into voodoo.
1: Well, yeah. Well, the thing with the all of the operas, they were always based on some ancient cultures, uh, traditions, whether known or invented, right? And, uh, like, you know, one of the operas is based in Sumerian, uh, with a Sumerian backdrop. Sure. Um,
0: Zagat, I think, is the name of their pyramids. uh,
1: Or Ziggurat. Ziggurat. Yeah.
0: Zagat, I think, is a fucking... It's, a, it's, a it's it's a chaining.
1: it's it's a, it's a review it's a, it's a right, exactly <laughs> which is a, a good one Cigarette. but uh but yeah for the operas we always it was always based on these these old traditions and uh and all the operas are based on a uh, on a ritual model like there's five stages to ritual and uh i don't I don't remember off the top of my head what they are even though i work with them all the time I have a hard time retaining information sometimes um so uh, we always incorporate these five stages of ritual into what the performance is going to be. And so for the 1999 opera, Pepe Ozan, the founder of the opera and the, uh, the artist behind the opera, uh, he, he was always intrigued with voodoo. So we decided for our research, we needed to go to Haiti and study voodoo. But for the year prior to going to Haiti, we did loads of research, and and the opera's director, Christopher Fueling, he's he's a super uh, intelligent guy. Uh, he's a scholar, anthropologist, uh, MFA. So he always studied anthropology, not to become a scholar in anthropology, but to use the knowledge of anthropology and apply it to the fine arts. And uh, he's really amazing. Talking to him, like he can co- cross-reference which cultures and which. Uh, points in time they borrowed from different gods and goddesses and which ones relate to the other ones. Like Aphrodite is also, you know, the goddess of love, but is also the, uh, you know, and I, I, I can't speak intelligently about it because I'm not trained in that, but Christopher could just like riff on that stuff. It's all on the top of his head. So Pepe for 1999 wanted to do this, uh, this, this opera and base it on voodoo. So we decided that we should go to Haiti. And this is after a year of studying voodoo at libraries with Christopher, and studying in libraries with Christopher is like, you know, that's like having my own private professor, you know, and and we we put together what we called uh, our our voodoo field guide, and so we learned all about the different voodoo gods, the spirits, they're called loas, and so we went down there with a good knowledge base about voodoo, and we were told by so-called experts before we went down there that because we're, we're white people, once we go down there to try to get involved with voodoo uh, ceremonies, because we're white and, and that's such a poor country, we will be seen as rich people and we won't get anything authentic. We'll get something that they put on for us in order to try to get money out of us at best, Right. But what they didn't realize these experts telling us these things, was that you know Pepe's an amazing world traveler, and he's like a chameleon, and he can get in anywhere. So Pepe got to Haiti a week before I did, and then Christopher showed up a week after I did. By the time I got there, Pepe had already made friends with this voodoo priestess and who took him up into the hills above Jacmel, Haiti, which is known for its white magic, you know, and uh, like benevolent voodoo. Um, where you have to trek across a river to get up into the hills into this voodoo community. And so he met the voodoo priest in charge up there. And then by the time I got there, I started going on these journeys to meet them and everything. And we told the voodoo priest what we were up to. We were going to do this big performance of which thousands of people were going to see and probably learn a thing or two about voodoo. And uh, he was impressed with our knowledge of voodoo and what we were trying to do, so he suggested that we go through an actual um, uh, initiation. It's called a conzo ceremony, and when you go through a conzo ceremony, when you come out at the other end, it's a seven-day. It's a seven-day process. When you come out the other end, you're 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 a voodoo priest. So we uh, we <coughs> made those arrangements, and then Christopher flew in, and the day after he came there. We went up to this Voodoo community where we started this uh, this process. But the funny thing is that in uh, they speak a Creole down there in Haiti, and Pepe speaks French, but he had a hard time understanding it. I mean, he but he, he, he did well with it. But there's some words that are kind of mashed up that he didn't really understand. So when we set up this 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 uh, this ceremony, the Voodoo priest said. He used the word seminar, which we we took to mean a seminar. So we thought we were just going to go up to this voodoo community, the three of us, and he was going to give us a seminar about voodoo. So we thought we were just going to it was going to be like a class. What we didn't realize is what was it was this involved ceremony where it's a long story. Just to shorten it up, we ended up we were sequestered for seven days and seven nights in a twelve foot by twelve foot concrete shack where we couldn't we couldn't leave that shack and they did crazy voodoo ceremonies they did uh you know, throughout the week in our honor they uh they would they would come into our shack randomly and perform these rituals one of which was a uh it was an animal sacrifice they sacrificed a chicken uh where they beheaded the chickens and they put the blood of the chickens all over our bodies um it, it was fucking wild man and uh, sometimes pretty scary because you know, I'm a, we're out in the middle of nowhere yeah. in Haiti, and, and they, they would blindfold us. Like, there would be a raging voodoo ceremony, and they would bring us front and center, and the whole community is out, a couple hundred people standing around. Drums are beating. There's a singers are singing. And uh, people get possessed in voodoo ceremonies. That's part of the deal is, like, they get mounted. They call the spirits come down from their spirit realm, and the way they come they manifest themselves is by they, they choose somebody in the congregation who becomes that voodoo spirit. So they become possessed. And so we have possessions happening all around us and we're standing in the middle of all this uh, pandemonium and then all of a sudden from behind us blindfolds would be put on us. And I'm thinking, oh great, here's here's the part where they sacrifice the the white man to their voodoo gods, you know, and of course it didn't turn out that way, so all those all those fears were just, uh, you know, generated uh, internally in in, 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 yeah. in the fear centers of my brain but uh, when we came out of that seven day ceremony we were, uh, we were, we're like so I'm, I'm a bona fide voodoo priest but, you know, I have a problem with any kind of uh, religion and religious thought anything with dogma involved I'm, I I kind of put my running shoes on and go the other way, <laughs> but the best lesson we learned out of the experience was that Voodoo, like all religion, is it's just a manipulation of mystery. You know, it's like, uh, and, and, and like death. People are afraid of death. And uh, and the things that you can't put an answer on, this is where religion's always been great. They just kind of corral people in based on the, the not knowing, right? So we realize it's the manipulation of mystery which became the seed of what we were going to create that year's opera out of. It's like ah. we're just manipulating mystery. So... Um, so even though I am a voodoo priest, I don't practice it because, you know, I, I don't buy in. But the experience was 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 phenomenal. But this is the kind of thing that we do for the operas. I mean, the previous operas, Pepe and Christopher went to like, uh, they went to Crete to do a bunch of research on that Minoan culture, yeah. you know. And they did a bunch of, uh, they went on trips, I wasn't on those trips like to India They, they a couple of times, so... All of these v- operas were always based on the uh, intensive research. It was we were Foundation. Doing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty. It was pretty intense.
0: So I can't wait. I yeah. can't wait. So we're, and we're planning
1: on doing that with this Maya thing right. uh, for next year's opera. We're getting, we're planning some trips down to the pyramids with some uh, experts uh, with us to to guide us through. So righteous.
0: Yeah, it could be can't a cool wait. thing. Can't wait. Yeah. So well, I'll keep you in the safe loop on it. on that journey. Yeah, man. Thank brother you, brother Matt. thanks you so can much. You get a on one and talk and on another. another. Whoa! Whoa! Somebody <laughs> came through. Remember those? What were they called? CB, maybe? Yeah. Oh, that, break, oh, break, really? Yeah. That, so that's came, what that was. Just came Did, through yeah. Will
1: that come through on the on the uh, on the uh, uh, broadcast? Right there. Wow!
0: <laughs> you got some other Pedro guests, <laughs> uh, brother Twan. Thanks for coming in and enlightening us all to the happenings of these uh, Burning Man situations. Thanks for having me. Presence, man. your presence, period.
1: Oh, I always have fun when I show up here. It's always great. Thanks yeah. for letting me be here. No
0: problem. Uh, everybody, it's been May 31st. Then came the last days of May 2011. Waffle Pedro show. Uh, I'll do a show next week, and then I got to sally forth on another Stooges tour late. Like. So next uh, Tuesday, I see you, Brother Matt. Cool. Yeah. So everybody out there, keep your powder dry.